The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 324, broadcasting live November 4th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number, 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in to My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show where I give my take on MMA, pro wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. We air live twice a week on Wednesday nights from 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. We cover MMA and wrestling on Thursdays from 11 p.m. usually till 12.30, 1 o'clock. We cover gaming and entertainment. A couple of ways to participate in tonight's show. First off, of course, you can head over to mtrlive.com where you'll be able to watch the high-quality video feed. Also use the audio feed via Mixler, plus participate in... In the show chat. In addition to that, you can download the Mixler app for free on your Android or iOS device and listen to the high quality audio feed of the show that way. We are also simulcasting on Restream, StreamUp, Vaughn Live, Twitch, and of course, YouTube Live. For those of you that are tuning in via those other platforms, Please make sure to head over to mtrlive.com if you want to participate, only because we do not have all the other chat platforms open for all those services. Everything is on mtrlive.com. For those of you that are tuning in via Twitch, you can watch the show via... Wow, a lot of messages coming in. Uh, There's a couple of ways you can watch via Twitch, of course. First and foremost, you can... Watch it on your mobile device, but there are Twitch apps now available on Xbox One and on good old PlayStation 4. So those of you that are comfortable watching it in the comfort of your own home, you'll be able to do it that way as well. A couple of announcements before we jump into tonight's show. As always, archived episodes are available 24 to 48 hours, so if you can't listen to the complete live show... We will upload audio and video. Audio, of course, going to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and very, very soon, right on Google Play as well. And, of course, video archives are available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official 
Rage Works. All right, so before we jump into tonight's topics, a couple of announcements I want to make. If you guys did not join the show last week, you probably may have missed the announcement. First of all, Val is telling me that there's no video. Oh, shows that there's video. Val, refresh, if anything. For those of you that are on mtrlive.com, just refresh, and the video should come up that way. I know somebody mentioned to me last week that there was issues. There we go. There's my wonderful mug. (laughs) Anyway, Val gave me a heart attack, but I had to check on my end. Nonetheless, video is working. Just refresh if it is uh, not working. Uh, A couple of things with regards to video, and I'll get into that. Uh, If you missed last week's shows, I am saddened to, to a point to report that this week's show's will be the last episodes of MTR for the month of November. Um, This does not mean the end of my take radio, for those of you that have messaged me off-air asking, um, not the case at all. Uh, Just burned out, need to recharge my batteries, and above all, need to really, really dig into growing Rageworks. Uh, With all the guys that we have on staff running shows, Ben and Taylor with Black is the New Black, uh, Jay Santee, of course, with the regular season sportscast, Quark and Blade holding it down on the Buried Show. I think that the content that I cover every week is in good hands, and I think that I'm going to take these next couple of weeks to not only focus on making Rageworks better, but I'm also going to focus on doing some stuff offline to make my take radio better as well. Uh, with that, the intention is to be back on air uh, probably December 2nd and 3rd. And then we're going to run shows through December 16th and 17th with the intention of December 16th and 17th. We're going to do our year-end shows. Uh, we're going to definitely try and get all hands on deck. Ben and Taylor, Quark and Blade, Jay Santee, Slick, and the rest of the team to help us close out 2015. Those shows will be December 16th and 17th, and then I will take off for the remaining two weeks of December to return in 2015. Um, Like I said, I I just need a a bit of a breather to refocus and give you guys the best stuff possible. Um, On top of that, we got a ton of events that I'm going to be covering next week, and I know that I'm going to just be burning the candle on both ends, so to speak, and it would be unfair to you guys to give you shitty, subpar, mediocre, bullshit shows. I'd rather go out with a nice number, 325, uh, 25 being my favorite number, and um, closing it out that way and taking a couple of weeks off. Nonetheless, please continue to support our other shows. Like I said, Black is the New Black, the regular season sportscast, uh, the Buried Show, and all of our other content. And just because I am not on air every week does not mean that you will not be getting content from me. On the contrary, I am going to be putting out reviews. I am going to be putting out MTR episodes for MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic, and uh, there may even be a minority film report. I've been trying to get that up and running because I feel that a lot of you guys really appreciate movie movie reviews in audio format. And, um, you know, I want to try and get that stuff off the ground. I may actually do the minority report with uh, Spectre, when I go to see it this weekend, hopefully that'll be a good way to come back and discuss that film. In any case, keep an eye out for that. 
on the My Take Radio app and, of course, on RageWorks.net. Also, for those of you that have been asking about the YouTube channels and the distribution of content on those channels, you get uh, both shows on both channels. I would recommend you subscribe to RageWorks, to official RageWorks on YouTube, only because we're putting a lot more trailers, a lot more video content, etc., etc. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, we want to try and, and bring up that aspect of the brand. Uh, definitely want to get more video out there. I know a lot of you guys really appreciate the video, and I am I'm actually, you know, grateful. Shout out to Andrew Zarian from GFQ to push me to do the video. I'm glad I did it, and... Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot harder. It's a lot more moving parts between uh, lighting, cameras, adequate sound, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I'm glad I did it, and I definitely, you know, I got to give a shout-out to him for encouraging me to do that. Also, got to shout-out our very own Jay Santi, who I actually linked up with this past weekend to take him some gear. Um, he actually put out episode 14 of the regular season sportscast with Lorenz Dean. Uh, very, very solid work. Got to let you guys know that if, if you love sports in a, in a real unbiased, non-bullshit sort of way, definitely show Jay some love. Uh, same thing with Ben and Taylor. Those guys are crushing it. Um, Jay's sports show this past week, like I said, it's already on Rageworks and also on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio was tremendous, really solid work. I know that Ben and Taylor did a brand new episode of Black is the New Black earlier today. They've been dealing with some tech issues. Hopefully, uh, they got that behind them, and we can give you guys their 30th episode because I know they're pumped for that as well. And, of course, I'm sure you've already seen that the Buried Halloween special is up. Uh, Quark and Blade return from the dead to give you guys just uh, another madcap, insane, over-the-top commentary on the world of professional wrestling. Uh, those guys got a great dynamic. Got to, you know, got to definitely show those guys some love. Also, got to give a uh, birthday shout out to my buddy Jimbo Slice, who had a birthday yesterday. Wanted to go on air and do that. I'm sure he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna break my balls for doing it. But yeah, we know it's your birthday, big homie. Happy birthday! Uh, definitely show him some love on Instagram. Jimbo underscore Slice S L Y C E. Uh, right on Instagram, of course. Links for. That are also on RageWorks.net. All right, so what do we got on deck for tonight? We are going to be talking about Monday Night Raw. We are going to get into the wrestling news of the week. Lots of MMA news on deck, as always. And, of course, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541. All right, let's jump into it. Let's get into some MMA Lots of crazy stuff this week. A lot of fight announcements. The injury bug has reared its ugly head. And so much more. Let's get to it, shall we? All right, so... We got a couple of fight announcements this week, and there's also a couple of fighters looking to set up their potential fights into 2016. Uh, first up, Rashad Evans, who appeared on the MMA uh, on UFC tonight. Excuse me, uh, Ariel Helwani 
reported that Rashad Evans is trying to get a fight with Alexander Gustafson. Uh, the thing that gets me with that fight is Rashad Evans hasn't exactly been active for a particular amount of time to want to jump in and take on a guy like Alexander Gustafson, who was on the verge of cha- of winning the light heavyweight title. I don't say he was going to win it, but he did challenge for the bout recently. And to put him up against Rashad Evans, who just came back to the sport, so to speak, I think Rashad Evans needs to get one more fight before he desi- he decides to approach a fight with the Mauler. Uh, me, personally, I think um, there's plenty of other good fights at 205 for Rashad to want to jump in there and take on Alexander Gustafson. I think Gustafson is still a guy that's very close to title contention, and um, taking a fight with Rashad Evans, who just came back, is a step backwards for him, not a step forwards. On the Nick Diaz front, I got to update you guys. It looks like Nick Diaz suspension will be shortened given the public outcry for the suspension he received. Uh, it looks like the Nevada State Athletic Commission is negotiating with Nick Diaz for a shortened suspension. As of right now, we do not have a specific date in mind with regards to when we can see uh, Stockton's own bad boy back in action, but I will say that I would not be shocked if we see Nick Diaz and the NSAC settle their differences in early 2016 to get Nick Diaz back in the cage by the middle of 2016. Of course, once we get some news, I will make sure to share it with you guys. On the flip side, you guys may not have heard about the, you, you probably did not hear about this story. It kind of went under the rug. Uh, this guy, K.O. Magalesh, was suspended um, after spitting on Josh Salmon when they squared off at the Tough 21 finale. MMA Junkie reports that the commission has voted for a suspension and community service. Of course, unsportsmanlike conduct, obviously spitting on a guy is not the move. He will receive a six-month suspension and will have to do 40 hours of community service. Now, in this instance, I feel it was a justified suspension. I think six months is fine. You don't spit on nobody. That's, that's grounds to get killed out there, and that's just definitely not the move. Nonetheless, definitely a solid ruling by the NSAC and a step in the right direction. K.O. Magalesh, of course, was um, he was on the phone for the hearing and accepted his suspension. He said, and I quote, my actions were absurd. I don't want to justify what I did. I only want to apologize. So K.O. Magalesh on suspension, six months, 40 hours of community service. On the flip side, Husamar Palhares, known for his unsportsmanlike conduct in various organizations, especially his insistence of not, his desire to not let go of submissions after the bell has finally caught up with him. The Nevada State Athletic Commission has suspended Husamar Palhares for two years and issued a $40,000 fine for holding on to his submission of Jake Shields at World Series of Fighting 22. Um, Pretty much the meeting, which is retroactive from the date of the fight, he will not be eligible to be licensed until August 2nd, 2017. Um, the thing that gets me is this guy has been notorious for holding on to submissions longer than necessary. I am personally shocked that it took this long for something to be done, but I'm glad it finally did. I think two years is a fair suspension. I am a little annoyed that he was not cited 
for the eye gouging uh, that he had that he did to Jake Shields prior to the fight stoppage. If you guys look up the video on YouTube, you'll see what I'm talking about. Nonetheless, um, you know, I think two years is legit. The World Series of Fighting stripped Paul Harris of the title after the fight and did suspend him indefinitely. Like I said, two years is fine. This guy, I don't care how much you're in the zone, you're you're out there trying to cripple guys, and that's not the way that's not the way to do it. When when a referee has to pull you off of a submission, you're you're holding on way too fucking long, especially if the guy is tapped already. As I've said before, Paul Harris has had numerous opportunities to correct that. And every time he goes out there, he decides to carry himself that way. And I think the suspension was fitting and it was something that needed to be done. All right. On the injury side of things, I'm bummed to report that Khabib Nurmagomedov once again is suspended. He is off the Ultimate Fighter finale in December where he was scheduled to face off against Tony Ferguson. He actually injured his rib and is, you know, he's bummed out. Obviously, he broke his rib and he is out. Edson Barboza now steps up to face Tony Ferguson at the Ultimate Fighter Season 22 finale. Um, Definitely really crazy. I mean, Khabib has been getting injured quite frequently. Every time he's in there getting a solid fight that people are looking forward to, he gets injured and he has to get yanked off a card. Uh, Hopefully... You know, he'll recover and he'll be able to get back in the cage sooner rather than later. But rib injuries definitely take their time. So we'll see what happens. I'll keep you guys up to date on his return and his potential fights as soon as we get word. Ah, Kimbo Slice. After Kimbo's performance against Ken Shamrock, many of us were wondering who his next opponent was going to be. There were rumors that he would be squaring off against Bobby Lashley. Others were saying it would be James Thompson. Some even have gone as far as saying that he would be taking on Kurt Angle for his MMA debut. Now, as of right now, the strong case is pointing towards Bobby Lashley. Kimbo Slice will get back in the cage for Bellator for their February 19th card in Houston. Couple of things. The Kimbo Slice-Ken Shamrock fight was a fucking car crash and a half. There was nothing about that fight that screamed, oh, this fight was amazing. It was two guys in different stages of their life just going out there trying to put on a show and their bodies and just not delivering. Uh, Ken Shamrock, no disrespect, the guy's an incredible athlete, an amazing fighter in his prime, but that fight with, with Kimbo was, was definitely not a fight that he wants on his resume. On the on the on the on the flip side, Kimbo Slice, a guy with great striking. I feel he got into MMA too late. Um, I think that his fame from all the YouTube fights was good for his career, but the fact that he didn't have an opportunity to get into MMA until later on has done more harm than good. He's not exactly a young guy, and whoever gets in there with him that has a modicum of really solid talent is definitely going to take to take him out. I mean, if he gets in there with Bobby Lashley, don't get me wrong, Bobby Lashley is still, you know, fine-tuning his craft, still trying to become a complete MMA fighter, but the guy's wrestling pedigree cannot be ignored. He is a massive human being. And, yeah, I think his chin, his chin has been tested on more than one occasion, but definitely not enough to the point where he has a glass jaw. 
I definitely think it would be a competitive fight for Kimbo, but I also feel that Bobby Lashley has enough ability that he could dispatch Kimbo quite easily. Otherwise, if you're looking at fights for Kimbo, you know, people are like, oh, well, you could put him in there with Tito Ortiz. Again, Tito Ortiz, even though he's an older fighter and many feel that he's past his expiration date, Tito Ortiz definitely has enough tools in his toolkit to dismantle a guy like Kimbo Slice. If if he didn't, I would be I would be shocked. But Bellator's in the stage where they want to give us the the crazy fights, the freak show fights. And because of that, I think that Kimbo's going to be matched up with somebody that'll get us quite a buzz. And Bobby Lashley on paper seems like the better option unless, like I said, they go with Kurt Angle. But I think that between now and February, it's a very, very short window for Kurt Angle to get MMA ready. I mean, the guy's an incredible wrestler, but you still got to get that striking and submission chain together. And you don't want to rush it and end up sabotaging Kurt Angle on, on his Bellator debut. We'll see what happens again. On paper, a fight with Bobby Lashley probably makes the most sense. Very, very pumped for the following UFC card I want to get into only because uh, Benson Henderson is taking on Tiago Alves. But again, a card like this that seems exciting on paper has been relegated to Fight Pass. UFC Fight Night 79 is going down November 28th, and it is happening in South Korea. The card will be streaming on UFC Fight Pass with the preliminary starting at 4.45 in the morning Eastern Standard Time. And then the main card will be airing at 8 a.m. Of course, I'll probably be watching replays or highlights later on in the day. As I said, your main event, um, Benson Henderson taking on Tiago Alves, uh, Crow Cop taking on Anthony Hamilton, Stun Gun Kim taking on Jorge Masvidal, uh, Yoshihiro Akayama back in the cage taking on Alberto Lima, also, like I said, UFC Fight Pass at 4.45 in the morning has a fair amount of solid fights as well. I'm really bummed. I wanted to see Benson Henderson, Thiago Alves on Fox Sports 1 or, or something like that. And um, the fact that this card got relegated to Fight Pass really irritates the shit out of me. But I can't complain too much because this weekend we got a solid card, which I'll get into. I want to give you guys my fight picks for that. But I am bummed that we can't see Benson Henderson and Thiago Alves fight on a main channel because I think that's going to be an awesome scrap. That's for damn sure. All right, so I'm always a little hesitant to talk about anything that Dave Meltzer puts out, obviously because it's it's considered sometimes more rumor and speculation than fact. But this next bit of news I've seen on a couple of other outlets and I did want to address uh, because UFC 192 did 250,000 buys. According to David Meltzer, this makes UFC 192 the third worst-selling pay-per-view of 2015, behind UFC 186, which had 125,000, and UFC 191, according to Bloody Elbow. Uh, Both cards um, had Demetrius Johnson headlining those events. Uh, The main event for UFC 192 was Daniel Cormier taking on Alexander Gustafson, Of course, Cormier, a lot of people have been saying as a main eventer, has no drawing power. Thus far, he had 800,000 buys against John Jones, 375,000 buys against Anthony Johnson, and now 250,000 against Alexander Gustafson. This goes to show you that even though you are a champion, 
people have to give a fuck about your fights. And the problem with Daniel Cormier is that as talented as he is, nobody really gives a fuck about him. And I'm not the only person that said that. I know numerous people that have watched Daniel Cormier fights and they're like, ah, they're all right. Like there's really no incentive to watch him. Me personally, I feel Cormier's a talented guy. I just feel that the buildup to his fights aren't there are they aren't exciting enough to get you to want to tune in. As a fan, I'm always gonna watch because I'm always gonna watch. But the fact is that sometimes he gets in there with guys and you're just like, eh. Like, I think the the only fight that I was really pumped for besides the Jones fight was his fight with Anthony Rumble Johnson, only because that fight was for the title at the time. But right now, of course, the strong money is on Cormier and John Jones too being the next fight, even though people are saying that, you know, John Jones should have a tune up fight before he gets in there. All eyes are on the inevitable Jones Cormier two. And the fact is that when they fought before, they did solid 800,000 buys. But, um, you know, I, I just feel that Cormier, he's probably, his fate is tied with John Jones because those guys legitimately hate each other. Those guys, they've been challenging each other to fights on Twitter. They, like, the beef is real between those guys. But they also respect the fact that this is a business. So, yeah, there's issues there. But... There's also the fact that these guys make a lot of money together. And that's something that we can never sweep under the rug. That as much animosity as there is there, there is also a respect in terms of bringing in good pay-per-view numbers. Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor hate each other. This we know. But Jose Aldo is going to get an amazing payday for this fight. Win or lose. Same thing with Conor McGregor. And even if they come away from this fight still hating each other, they know that one needs the other to make money. The same thing could be said of, you know, Chael and Anderson Silva or any of these guys whose fates are intertwined because those are the fights that people, they'll blindly sign on the dotted line to watch. I, you know, I was that way with Rampage for a lot of years. I'd watch every Rampage fight regardless of who he fought because I knew that as a fan, I was really excited to watch him fight. But there were certain fights that he had, like the fight with Chuck Liddell, the fight with Vanderlei. Those fights, as soon as you see them, you know that there's something there because those fates, the fate of both fighters is intertwined, whether from the fact that they bring in an amazing amount of press to an amazing amount of revenue, there's always something there. And the problem is that Daniel Cormier is, is an amazing fighter. He's a solid champion. But he's just not a good draw when it comes to a, a guy like John Jones. John Jones is so either loved or hated that you either want to tune in to see him get his ass kicked or you want to tune in to see it to, to cheer him. Same thing with Conor McGregor. You either want to see Conor McGregor get his ass kicked or you want to see Conor McGregor be victorious. And the fact is that there's more people that feel that way than guys that give a shit about, about, about guys like Daniel Cormier. And partially, like I've always said, you have to attribute that to the organization. But you also have to take into consideration the fact that there's other fighters out there that they need all the help they can get. And the problem is that they just don't have those rivalries to get you invested. 
Lucha Lee says Bones needs a warm-up fight before getting his title shot back. I say Anderson Silva versus John Jones at 205 since neither of them have the belts anymore. Dude, I would be open to that. I'd, I'd sign on the dotted line to watch that fight immediately. Immediately. But the problem is, again, it's like you know that fight is going to make a shitload of money, but the problem is that if Anderson Silva what for for whatever reason to defeat John Jones, it it, it it puts it it raises a lot of eyebrows too. And and the problem is that you know it's it's a big gamble for the UFC. And this is the thing: the UFC has made it quite clear that they will try and put together fights that make sense monetarily faster than than they put together fights that make sense from a statistical point of view. Perfect example. Fucking Conor McGregor taking on Dennis Seaver and then Conor McGregor getting a title shot after that fight. Just just let that sink in. Conor McGregor got a title shot for beating a guy that wasn't even in the top five. But again, you know, it's it's one of those things where logistically he shouldn't have got a title opportunity but monetarily the UFC knew that they had a cash cow and they had to take advantage of it immediately in Ronda Rousey's case they gave her the Holly home fight even though they said Misha Tate was going to challenge because they knew in their heart of hearts that nobody was going to tune in to watch Misha Tate possibly get her ass kicked these are the facts it pains me to say it because because Misha Tate is a solid fighter but let's call a spade a spade here. The fact is that monetarily, and especially if you're trying to sell out a soccer stadium, nobody's going to tune in to watch that fight. Nobody. You know, it's, you know what it is, Val? You know, sometimes, you know, you need, you need two fists and a heartbeat. And it's very easy to say that Ronda Rousey could defeat Misha Tate. And, 99% of the time, I, I believe that is the case, but you never know. A lucky shot, uh, you know, a, a really quick submission, you never know. But, you know, it's like Lucha Lee brought up another good example, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was 1-1 one one in the UFC before he got a title shot against Rusty Randy Couture instead of the interim champion getting the shot at the time. That is 150% correct, Lucha Lee, you are right. But that's how it is. We are in the business of the of the money fights. Even though statistically X fighter or Y fighter should get the opportunity, you want to get the fights in there that people are going to put their money down to see. And me personally, if I can find three or four fights on a card I want to see, I'm going to order it. No one fighter is going to sell me on a card because I could just as easily go to the UFC gym not far from my house and watch it for free or go to your mother's house, or Buffalo Wild Wings, or any of these other establishments, and watch the fight for free with minimal stress. You know? it's it, Val, Val said it. They are doing the boxing thing. I agree 100%. All right, so last week I mentioned that Joanne Calderwood was injured and is out of the fight with Paige Van Zant. As a result of that, instead of, get, we in, you know, instead of getting a... A mediocre fight now for Paige Van Zandt. We actually got a very, very exciting opponent as Paige Van Zandt will be facing off against Rose Namajunas. Not only is she facing off against Rose Namajunas, but she is the main event for that card. UFC Fight Night 80 going down December 10th 
Uh, like I said, Rose Nama Yunus is your main event. Michael Chiesa and Jim Miller's your co-main. Sage Northcutt is fighting on that card against Cody Fister. Uh, Tiago Santos is taking on Elias Teodoru. And, of course, the fight past prelims will be online as always. But definitely a solid fight and a good test for Paige Van Zandt with the surging and always dangerous Rose Nama Yunus. Pumped for that fight. Again, UFC Fight Night 80 goes down December 10th. All right, so as I mentioned earlier in the segment, we got a very exciting UFC Fight Night card this weekend, UFC Fight Night 77. Uh, your main event, Vitor Belfort taking on Dan Henderson. Now, before you say to yourself, it's the battle of MMA dinosaurs, you got to remember, both guys are off TRT, and Dan Henderson, is still he's still got dynamite in that right hand. So if Vitor doesn't watch himself, the old lion may be going to sleep. Uh, my pick for that fight, definitely... Dan Henderson. Uh, Co-main event, Patrick Cummins will be taking on Glover Teixeira. Thomas Almeida is taking on Anthony Burkchak. Piotr Hallman is taking on Alex Oliveira. Uh, Gilbert Burns is taking on Rashid Magomedov. And Corey Anderson and Fabio Maldonado are your opener. The prelims will be on Fox Sports 1 at 8 p.m. Gleason Tebow and Abel Trujillo will be your main event on the prelims. Jan Cabral and Johnny Case will be your co-main on the prelims. Clay Guida and Tiago Tavares are on that card, and Chaz Skelly and Kevin Souza are on that card as well. Uh, prediction time. As I said, your main event prediction, Dan Henderson over Vitor Belfort. Uh, Glover Teixeira is my pick over Patrick Cummins. Uh, T- Thomas Almeida over Anthony Burkchak. Uh, Piotr Hallman over Alex Oliveira. Rashid Magomedov over Gilbert Burns and Fabio Maldonado over Corey Anderson. On the prelims, Gleason Tebow and Abel Trujillo is a tough pick. I'm going to go with Abel Trujillo only because both guys are exciting and both guys can end it very quickly, but Trujillo has definitely been aggressive in his last couple of fights. Uh, Jan Cabral and Johnny Case, I'm going to go with Cabral on this one. Clay Guida and Tiago Tavares, as much as I love Clay Guida, and I think he's an exciting fighter, uh, he has not been faring well as of late, and I think Tiago Tavares is going to capitalize on that. So Tavares is my pick for that. Uh, Chaz Skelly and Kevin Souza, I am not familiar with either guy, so I'm going to go a shot in the dark here, and I'm going to give it to Chaz Skelly, only because has a cool name. <laughs> Sue me. I don't know who the fucking guy is, but in any case, there are my fight picks for UFC Fight Night 77. I am debating possibly starting either a DraftKings or CounterMove uh, Fantasy MMA uh, rundown, and um, maybe we'll experiment with that in December when some more exciting UFC cards happening. You know, I think it's a good way to do it. I've seen a couple of people, they do some pretty solid pots with a couple of hundred bucks. And I think we got enough guys that watch MMA, whether casually or hardcore, that can get involved if we do decide to do that. Of course, keep it locked to RageWorks.net or our social media accounts for updates. Two last bits of MMA news to wrap things up this evening. Uh, Matt Brown, who was scheduled to face Kevin Gastelum at UFC Fight Night 78, 
has suffered an ankle injury and he will not be fighting. So Kelvin Gastelum needs a new opponent since the immortal Matt Brown is injured. Um, of course, this fight was scheduled for November 21st, less than three weeks away. Uh, not sure if they're going to scrap the fight or if somebody will step up on three weeks notice to take the fight with the always dangerous Kelvin Gastelum. Last but not least, a fight that I'm sure is going to get a lot of you guys talking. It was announced that Anthony Rumble Johnson will be facing Ryan Bader at UFC on Fox 18's main event on January 30th in Newark, New Jersey. As many of you know, Ryan Bader was a guy that was trying to talk himself into a title opportunity. Of course, it was not the case as Alexander Gustafson had that title opportunity and was defeated by Daniel Cormier. Now, of course, Ryan Bader moves to challenge the always dangerous Anthony Rumble Johnson. Now, the question is, if Ryan Bader were to succeed, would he get a title opportunity? And if Anthony Johnson were to get past Ryan Bader, would he be considered a guy in title contention once more? Personally, I think that either one of these guys, if they win, should be John Jones' fight before John Jones challenges for the belt. Either Jones and Johnson or Jones and Ryan Bader before we get that fight with Daniel Cormier. I think it would be a great way to get both guys in there. Both guys are dangerous and could present different challenges for the former light heavyweight champion. But again, we'll see what happens. I'm sure that the UFC is just going to throw the title fight together with Jones and Cormier and not give him a warm-up fight. But I wouldn't mind seeing Jones mix it up with either Anthony Johnson or Ryan Bader. All right. With that, that is going to wrap up the MMA news for this week. As always, if you have any questions, hit us up in the chat. Let your comments be heard there. Otherwise, let us switch gears and jump into this week's wrestling segment. Wow, this week's uh, this week's wrestling segment. Booker T, you know what time it is. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. Well, Monday Night Raw, (laughs) where do I begin? So, as many of you know, Raw has been interesting the last couple of weeks. And the ratings that the the show has been getting have been not what what, what you would expect. Uh, Of course, there's easy ways to say that, oh, it's Monday Night Football, World Series, etc., etc. But... The problem is that even with the World Series or Monday Night Football, the numbers are substantially lower than they usually are. Now, this can be attributed to a lot of reasons. No compelling matches. uh, Maybe the feuds that are going on just aren't exciting. Nothing monumental is happening, etc., etc., etc. I will be the first to say that watching watching wrestling the last couple of weeks both before and after Hell in the Cell, has been an exercise in patience because a lot of the stuff that's been going on is just the just very cookie-cutter, paint-by-numbers, no risks, 
No, no thinking outside of the box. It's just throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. Now, that's not always a bad thing. And of course, we can always talk about creative and the fact that Vince McMahon wants to rewrite Raw half an hour before he goes on air, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And with that, I feel that that's part of the reason. But I also feel that the vacuum that has been created with, you know, injuries and time off have been they haven't been maximized as much as they should. Think about it. I'll give you an example. John Cena taking a break. Randy Orton shoulder injury. Two guys that are quote unquote main eventers, or in Cena's case, upper mid card flag flag bearer. And when you look at that, you say to yourself, okay, those two guys are on the shelf. Who are we moving up? And that, my friends, is the problem. There's nobody else that's being moved up. Now, you say to yourself, yeah, but you know, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose. No, 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 no. The only name that matters in that list, unfortunately, is Roman Reigns. Dean Ambrose is essentially the bridesmaid in this case. Roman Reigns is the bride because everything and anything that has been going on both before Hell in the Cell and after Hell in the Cell had the motivator of getting Roman Reigns into the main event. Now, obviously, crowd reactions, crowd interactions have made exactly, make Roman look strong, Slick. Crowd reactions and crowd interactions have definitely been favorable for Roman Reigns as of late, and that's fine. But my problem with this is that you still have a vacuum in the main event sphere. And the reason I say this is because, sure, you elevate Roman Reigns. No problem. But Roman Reigns is going to feud with Dean Ambrose. I mean, Roman, excuse me, Roman Reigns is going to run alongside Dean Ambrose to feud with Seth Rollins. And at the end of the day, we, I sincerely doubt that they're going to drop the belt to Roman Reigns at Survivor Series when Seth Rollins is just a better champion. And my issue with this is, again, you have three hours of television every week, and the only guys that are even talked about in contention are Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns. And, and listen, I understand. When John Cena was doing the stuff for breast cancer awareness, he was side-by-side, front and center, with Roman Reigns. I understand you're trying to take this guy and make him the flag bearer of your company, and that's great. But you people, you know, creative may not realize this, but John Cena's success was based on the fact that he had excellent opponents that helped him reach the level that he was. On top of being a fa- a good ambassador and, and, and a guy who's, you know, favorably viewed by management, he was a guy that always went out there and did the best he could with the best opponents possible. And people forget that, yeah, we shit on John Cena's gimmick, and, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, wrestlers, especially main eventers, their success hinges on who their opponents are. And the problem with a guy like Seth Rollins is that Seth Rollins is your champion, but his opponents 
and the guys that have been a challenge for him have been shit. They really have been shit. When we can say in 2015 that Kane challenged for a belt, that shows you how shitty the main event scene is. Champions are built based off their opponents. Think about it. Stone Cold Steve Austin had Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, The Rock, The Undertaker, Kane, Dude Love. The list goes on. There was at least five or six guys in that sentence that were capable of delivering something interesting with Stone Cold Steve Austin. In addition to that, they were always compelling characters to watch. Whether you loved them or you hated them, Stone Cold Steve Austin was forged with excellent opponents. When you look at The Rock, The Rock had Stone Cold, Triple H, Mankind, Chris Benoit, Kane, The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, Goldberg, Brock Lesnar. The list goes on and on again. You are forging main eventers with quality opponents. But when your opponents for Seth Rollins are Kane and fucking Sting, you're not doing your champion any favors. You know? And and Jay says, creative gets lazy around this time, time because they know they can reel us back in by Survivor Series. You know what it is, Jay? I can understand creative possibly going that route, but you also have a vacuum of two of your quote-unquote main guys not on television. This is prime time to create a new guy. And like you and I spoke about a couple of weeks back when you were on the show, part of it is these guys reaching that brass ring and making themselves recognized. And there's a lot of guys that are out there doing that. You know, Cesaro out there every week busting his ass. Kevin Owens out there every week busting his ass. Neville out there every week busting his ass. And what do we show for it? Nothing. Nothing. Alberto Del Rio has won the U.S. title, and he's been holding that belt since Hell in the Cell, and yet nobody has stepped up to even look remotely like a competitor. He had a match with Adrian Neville, which was solid. He had a match with R-Truth this past Monday that was okay. But if you're going to give us Alberto Del Rio versus Jack Swagger for the U.S. title, there's definitely something fucking wrong. There are better guys in the mid-card level that could challenge Del Rio and give us good matches. Why is Stardust worried about feuding with Cesaro when there's two mid-card titles that should be out there? You know? That's that, that, that's just something that, that baffles my mind. Like, Cesaro's out there. He's got the Cesaro section. He's got an incredible crowd reaction. Pretty much five-star matches, four-star matches with everybody he's out there with. But yet he's nowhere near touching an IC title or a U.S. title. You mean to tell me that people wouldn't want to see Alberto Del Rio take on the Swiss Superman? You don't think that that match would be good? You're fucking crazy. Or, here's one. 
Alberto Del Rio has an established history with Dolph Ziggler. We could go that route. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dolph Ziggler feuding with Tyler Breeze is fine. I think that's a great feud. It's going to help though. It's going to help Tyler Breeze acclimate himself to the main event. But again, you know, that's that's one of those things where you're not you're not leveraging that mid-card talent. The belts are there. Use them. Stop making the belts not mean anything and use them. Anyway, let me get into Raw and let me get off the soapbox for a minute. So the opening match of the night was Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler. Really solid match. Really good. Obviously, the involvement of Tyler Breeze led to Dolph Ziggler losing via Papa Powerbomb. But we know that Breeze will have that inevitable collision with Dolph Ziggler at Survivor Series. Not a problem. Like I said, good match on paper. Great way to get Breeze acclimated to the main roster. But again, Kevin Owens, where's he going to go? Who's he going to feud with? We thought we were going to see him and Ryback again, but there's a lot of there's a lot of rumors flo- swirling around that we may see Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose, which I have zero problem with. Again, make those belts mean something. Stop making Dean Ambrose Roman Reigns fucking baggage handler and start doing something with the guy who gets the one of the biggest pops of the night. Do something with him. Put him to work. Anyway, we ended up getting a match. Speaking of another another guy I just mentioned, the Miz took on Cesaro in a match, which was it, it was it was basically the Miz getting jobbed out to put Cesaro over, and I got no problem with that whatsoever. Um, the the tease of Stardust and Cesaro and a possible program between between them, okay, but again. Secondary titles, plenty of plenty of challengers. Let's make it happen. Anyway, the um, I want to talk about Bray Wyatt's promo. And a lot of people were super excited about Bray Wyatt's amazing promo. I got to tell these people, this is the same promo that we have seen from Kane and the Undertaker pretty much any time. From 1992 on. Oh, there's thunder in the arena. And I'm going to have lightning cause the pyro to go off. Who gives a shit? What the fuck year is this? Bray Wyatt doesn't need theatricality. Doesn't need it. The guy is an incredible talker. Has a faction of big country boy motherfuckers. That could whoop ass at the drop of a hat. You don't need it. You don't need cheap parlor tricks. It's not necessary. You're not wowing the crowd with that. You're not. Not doing it. Oh, Bray Wyatt has has powers. Get the fuck out of here. That shit only worked for Kane and The Undertaker because we've looked at those guys and they're old enough that we don't give a shit. I'm serious. You know? Jay says younger fans don't know that 90s shit. You know what the problem is, Jay? YouTube is the problem. The network is the problem. And because of that, younger fans do know that shit. They don't appreciate it as well as much as we do, but they know it. You know, 
like Lucha Lee says, but Bray is gaining powers now because he's stealing the Undertaker's soul. Listen to that. Listen to that rationally. You know when that shit works? On Lucha Underground. You want to know why it works on Lucha Underground? Because Lucha Underground is written like a fucking movie. Raw is not written like a movie. Not. Zero. Donut. Bray Wyatt doesn't need parlor tricks. The Wyatt family needs to just destroy everything and anyone on the main roster. You need to take the Wyatt family and make them pretty much like you did the NWO. They come out, they destroy the announce table, they disrupt the main event, they disrupt the IC title matches, the World Heavyweight title matches, Divas matches, whatever the case may be. Disrupt that shit. Make Bray Wyatt a vehicle of anarchy and destruction. That's what you need to do. You need to make it that Seth Rollins is having a match with Roman Reigns. The lights go out. Everybody thinks that the Wyatts are going to beat up Roman Reigns and they beat up Seth Rollins. That's what that's what you need. You need the lights to go out, them to come back on. The Wyatts are all on the side of the ring. Seth Rollins <laughs> laughs it off, gets ready to walk out. Bray Wyatt tells him to wait and then proceeds to whoop his ass. You need to make it that the entire roster is on notice that the Wyatt family is a vehicle of destruction. No allegiances, no authority, nothing. Destruction, chaos. That's it. Not faces, not heels, exactly what Bray Wyatt is on the stick, which is a vehicle of destruction, an agent of anarchy. Seriously. And, and, and they don't even need to win the belts. And, and, they sh- and if you wanted to make them win the belts, you could make them win the belts for the sake of having all the power. That's it. You know, exactly. They need to whoop Triple H's ass 100%. 100%. You need that. And you need a female wrestler to join the Wyatts. You need that too. You need a female wrestler to join the Wyatt family. And once you have that established, you go from there. That's it. You know what would have been good? If you would have had Awesome Kong join the Wyatt family. I'm serious. Just a just a, an agent of destruction. Another disciple from Sister Abigail. It would have been crazy. You would have had Awesome Kong, Braun Strowman, Harper and Rowan, and Bray Wyatt. You got a a person for every belt. And on top of that, you got a faction that can decimate anyone believably. I don't want I don't want fire and brimstone and lightning inside the fucking arena. That shit is corny. Corny to me. Like that shit was cool when when I'm when I was a kid. And don't get me wrong. The demographic that WWE is trying to attract Not a problem. They can appreciate that, and that's fine. Like Jay said earlier, you know, we lived it, and that's fine, and the kids can live it too, but the problem is that kids are a lot smarter. They know that there's no fucking lightning in the arena. The only way you can get a kid to believe there's lightning in the arena is if he's five or six years old. When a kid is like eight, nine, ten, and is a little more aware of the world, they know that shit isn't real. Fuck out of here. 
On top of the fact that parents aren't helping that along either. They're like, ah, it's fake. You know, like, like when I was a kid, my mom kept up the charade of Santa Claus till I was fairly old and I figured it out. But that didn't mean that my mother didn't try to do it, you know, or, or that, or that, you know, she didn't try to do that. The problem is parents, parents don't reinforce that imagination. And, you know, shout out to Jay, Jay, Jay Santee. He has a, he has a, uh, he has a young daughter and always trying to keep that imagination and creativity flowing. And I see it on social media and, and it's, and it's cool because Jay is part of that old guard, part of that demographic that still does that, that still believes in imagination. You know, how many different games and scenarios did we make up when we were kids? You know? Oh, it's it's crazy. I just feel that if you, if you, the, the theatricality for a guy like Bray Wyatt is not necessary. Jay says that's why they do it. It's for the youth. My daughter loves that shit, and it's fine. But you know what? Use that for somebody who can really benefit from it. Bray Wyatt does not need it. He doesn't need it. The guy's amazing on the mic. He has an incredible presence. The crowd is. He has the crowd in the palm of his hand. Without even trying. We don't need manufactured lightning and thunder and, and all that shit. Not for that guy. Not for him. That's good for Kane, The Undertaker, um, you know, guys like that. That they've co- They come in with a supernatural gimmick. You know, when they did the, the, the weird ghost apparition of Sister Abigail with Bray Wyatt, I was like, what the fuck is this? Stupid. Completely fucking stupid. I just, I just think he doesn't need it. You know, you know what's funny with the boogeyman, and 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 I'm glad you brought him up. The boogeyman's gimmick wasn't even scary. It just took a guy with brass balls to put them worms in his mouth. I'm sorry, that was really it. There was nothing scary about the boogeyman. It was just the fact that that motherfucker had the worms in his mouth, and that was some creepy disgusting shit you couldn't that shit was crazy because that shit was just a belief in a character that guy said yeah i'm gonna put these worms in my mouth because yeah it was insane he'd go he'd put them in his mouth he'd fucking throw them on people and listen i got i don't have a problem with bugs you know i I got no problem with it but having a bag of worms tossed on you whether you're 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 a hardcore motherfucker or not, it's some skeevy shit. Fucking worm crawls up your nostril or some shit while you're pretending to be unconscious, or a little worm crawls in your ear. Come on. Or or the boogeyman accidentally sucks one up and swallows it while it's alive. Fuck that. That shit alone is 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 creepy enough. Imagine that. Imagine when the boogeyman's out there. Do you do you ever wonder if he accidentally swallowed a live worm? I'm curious. Shit, I should I should try and find him, get him on the show and ask him that. Like, dude, did you ever swallow them by accident? Like live ones? Did it ever happen by mistake? Did you ever panic? I'd be curious. Imagine you swallow an earthworm and then you go take a dump. And you shit that fucker out and he's alive. Imagine that. Have any of you guys ever thought of that? 
Like, yo, if he swallows one and it's alive and he and he shits it out and it's alive still, do you would you would you lose your mind just for a second if any of you guys accidentally swallowed an earthworm and took a dump and looked in the bowl and there was a worm swimming around in the toilet? Tell me you wouldn't lose your fucking marbles. Tell me that shit. Because cause I'd lose my mind. That's what I mean. Like, the theatricality for the boogeyman was fine because he was fucking crazy. He was insane. I mean, you know, the guy, it, it was all part of the gimmick, but he was insane. Period. Anyway. Moving along. The Lucha Dragons took on King Barrett and Sheamus. And it was weird because on paper, you pretty much thought to yourself, oh, they're establishing Sheamus and King Barrett as a tag team, but the Lucha Dragons got the pin. And the thing is, I don't mind. I think it's great. And I think the Lucha Dragons are one of the most underutilized tag teams on the roster because if you want a tag team that connects with kids and that sells merchandise, you got them and you're not using them. Jay says, I swallowed a tequila worm. Was it alive, Jay? Was it alive? That's all I want to know. Was it alive? And did you, and were you curious about what would happen to your stomach after you swallowed it? Please enlighten me. Anyway, Alberto Del Rio took on R-Truth and what I thought was pretty much a waste, a waste of a match. Just another, another squash for Del Rio. Um, fucking New Day. <laughs> the new day is running on a different level they are on a level that is beyond it, it's beyond faces or heels or being entertainment they are it, it's crazy slick writes marty wright actually ate some of the worms he said he actually wanted to use roaches maggots etc but wwe wouldn't let him thank you for that share slick i gotta take a look at that after the show Thank you for that. But um, the New Day is, they're probably one of the few reasons why Raw is still entertaining because they're so out of control. And it's not even that they're they're forcing to be, they're being forced to be funny. It's just that they're just, they're insane. Like when they were, they were trying to do like the little song for Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins like, no, 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 I don't want to get involved. And then he starts fucking dancing with them and he catches himself like that shit is just so stupid, but so funny. It is ridiculously funny. On top of the fact, I like the new ring gear and I like the fact that it ties into the crazy unicorn T-shirt that they have. It's it was definitely one of the one of the high points of the night. That's for damn sure. We got a little backstage segment with Sasha Banks, of course, Sasha Banks going in there for the number one contenders match against Becky Lynch, uh, Brie Bella, and Paige. Uh, A couple of things with this match. And the thing that bothers me was the fact that Becky Lynch tapped out to the bank statement. She did. It was a blink and you missed it, but she did it. She did tap out. Whether they ignored it or didn't acknowledge it, I saw a tap. But we knew where it was going. And aside from that, you knew that it was going to be Paige that was going to win. And I'll tell you why. They're going to save Sasha Banks 
and and Charlotte for something big. Not that Survivor Series isn't big, but Sasha Banks and Charlotte have such amazing chemistry from their work in NXT that you don't want to just give that away so easily, especially when they haven't even been using Team Bad as effectively as they should. I understand why they gave it to Paige because that's going to be a one and done. But I know that they're going to save that Sasha Banks-Charlotte match for maybe the Rumble or even WrestleMania because they know that that's a match that can't be given away and on top of that needs plenty of buildup. Even though there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an established story between both women, the fact is that there's, that there's a, a bright side to waiting because you can put Paige in there. Maybe you can put Brie in there, which I don't know why. Brie, Brie Bella's wrestling is beyond abysmal. And now that Nikki Bella is out with an injury, which I'll discuss later on, we're going to be seeing a lot more of Brie Bella, and it won't be for the better. It'll be for the worse. Hate to say it, but it's the truth. Anyway, so this five-on-five elimination match had a lot of good things going for it. Had a lot of good players in there, but it also had a lot of exposure. And I'll tell you why. Obviously, the return of the Usos was great. Crowd was already into it. Obviously, the Usos are coming in, getting ready to challenge for the tag team titles. No biggie. I think those are going to be great matches. But Ryback continues to look out of place in there with guys like Kevin Owens, guys like Ambrose, etc., etc. He looks out of place. And that's not a dig at Ryback. It's just that you can see that Ryback is just not very fluid. That's not to say that he doesn't have his place. I just feel that Ryback is at a stage where you got to give him a tag team partner and let him be in a tag team for a little bit so he can work on being more fluid. I think that the problem with Ryback is that he goes out there, it's like meat hook clothesline, meat hook clothesline, shell shock, wash, rinse, and repeat. And I don't see a lot of development of in him as a performer. Like, I understand guys that are big and they move a little bit mechanically. But Ryback's movements are just way too robotic for, for him. You know, I, whether it's because he doesn't feel comfortable being as fluid or there's more to it. I understand that, you know, you're the power guy. But Big E is just as big if not bigger, and he's incredibly fluid in the ring. And you saw that. You saw it during that match. You said to yourself, damn, you know, Big E moves pretty good for a guy that size. And that's something, that's what I mean. Like Ryback, I don't know, like I said, if it's just a matter of comfort or maybe it's just a matter of the move set that he's been given, but he just does not seem as fluid out there. And you can see it in matches like this. Now, the match itself was solid. We knew that it was going to end up with Rollins and Roman Reigns and and Ambrose. I think that the ending was good. It showed that Roman Reigns uh, definitely has somewhat won the crowd over. But I think Rollins just smacking him with the chairs and showing anger and frustration is good for him. My only problem with Rollins is the fact that he hasn't, you know, the the instances of of him winning cleanly are few and far between. 
And I think that that's one of those things that's a detriment to his title reign. It really is. Now, could they obviously book him better and not make him a complete sniveling bitch? Sure. But I think that they've gotten so accustomed to him working that style that they're, like Jay was saying earlier, just lazy. Now, do Rollins and Reigns have the potential to give us a great match at at Survivor Series? Absolutely. Like Jay just said, modern day edge. Definitely right. I think I think that Rollins and Reigns have the potential to give us an incredible match, but I also feel that those guys, their fates are intertwined. Rollins, Reigns, and Ambrose, whether they're feuding with each other, working together, those guys are going to be the guys that we're going to see in the main event for years to come. Whether it's Rollins as champion and as a heel, or Reigns as champion as a face or as a heel, or, or Ambrose as champion as face or heel, it will happen. I do feel that Ambrose at one point will get that opportunity, but I think that Ambrose just has a harder climb than Rollins and Reigns because he came, you know, he came from CZW. His, you know, he's he's not, he he's not, um, you know, he doesn't have the leading man looks. You know, he looks like a crazy guy. He does. You know, it's not like like Rollins, who's you know, he's a pretty boy dude, or or Reigns. You know, with Ambrose, you're getting crazy. You're getting Brian Pillman. You are. The problem is that they're not utilizing that effectively yet. Does this mean that six months down the road, a year down the road, that'll happen? Sure. But at this time, definitely not. But I will say that there that the future of Reigns, Ambrose, and Rollins, though their futures are intertwined. Those guys are gonna be the guys that are gonna be that are gonna have those rock Austin rivalries. It's going to happen. Definitely is. Only because they know each other so well, they've worked together so well, that it's it's inevitable. It is inevitable. As for Raw as a whole, ex- exactly. Exactly. I agree. Jay says, uh, modern day Stone Cold. I, I do feel Stone Cold is definitely there, but I see, like I said, more shades of the loose cannon Brian Pillman than than Stone Cold. But again, that that's just you know my take on it. Anyway. With that said, Raw was okay. Like I said, a lot of paint-by-numbers stuff. Uh, I was happy to see the Usos back. Um, you know, it was good to see Cesaro out there have a good match, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like I said, there were some good points. If I had to say anything, maybe maybe a 3 out of 5, maybe a 3.5, C+. Plus, you know? Val says he needs to stop his own version of the four moves of Doom. Yes! I will say that Ambrose uh, slingshot clothesline is so is so poorly executed. I don't know. Like he used to be able to pull that off, and it would look so fluid. Now it just looks incredibly sloppy. I agree. I think that WWE's kind of forced him into that pickle. Like, yo, you got to work like this versus you know how he used to work, and and you know that's that's partially just creative trying to keep these guys from getting hurt. But I do agree that Ambrose, you can pretty much call an Ambrose match yourself. Uh, Rollins Rollins hasn't hit that stage yet. Rollins still has a couple of unique moves in his arsenal. But Ambrose definitely forced into the WWE style. Roman Reigns, we know, is in the WWE style. Even Kevin Owens, they're starting to push him into that, hey, you're going to have your five, your four spots. And, you know, you're starting to see it. The only guy who's kind of kept his own identity 
is Neville, Cesaro, you know, Rollins. Uh, those guys have kept pretty much their own move set, but the rest of them definitely have kind of been forced to adjust to the WWE style, which, you know, it could be good or it could be bad. Uh, Val says Rollins doesn't give a fuck because he has Triple H in his corner. This is true. Anyway, like I said, nonetheless, Raw was was pretty solid this week, but um, could have been better. Anyway, let's get into the wrestling news of the week. There are quite a few, which I want to discuss. And um, first up, this is uh, not something that I'm that I'm I can't say I'm not excited to see. Uh, ESPN is working on a 30 for 30 about Ric Flair. Now, if you guys have seen uh, ESPN's 30 for 30 specials, they've done an amazing job. They did one earlier in February about the Von Erics, which was tremendous. And um, they're doing one of the Nature Boy, and I think it's it's going to be fucking stellar. If you haven't seen the 30 for 30 for the Von Erics, look it up. Really, really good stuff. And I'm really excited to see what they do with Ric Flair's story. I think that they're going to crush it, and I cannot wait to see it. No no idea of a release date yet or an air date, but um, the production has already begun. So um, we'll see what the deal is with that. But ESPN's 30 for 30, definitely look it up for the Von Erics if you haven't. Really, really great series. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler had a bit of a scare this weekend as him and his girlfriend were involved in a head-on collision with a driver that ran a red light. Uh, luckily, Jerry Lawler didn't sustain any serious injuries. His girlfriend did sustain a couple of injuries. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. Definitely glad that the King is okay. Uh, it was crazy when I read it only because there's photos of the accident online. And to read that and see that Jerry Lawler got out safely is crazy because I saw the car and it just I was like wow that's that's wild man I'm glad you know I was really happy to see that he came out of it came out of it okay uh like I said his girlfriend got a couple of injuries uh some swelling uh she has a leg brace her knee is immobilized and she may have had a concussion but um again at least they were able to walk away from the crash if you guys are curious about the photos uh, definitely look up Jerry Jerry Lawler accident photos, and you'll see it. It was it was insane. Like I said, I'm glad that the King came out all right, but uh, definitely very scary situation. That's for sure. In some TNA news, it looks like TNA may be returning back to the Hammerstein Ballroom, uh, probably in February or March of 2016. Uh, TNA has definitely thank you, Slick. Um, TNA has Slick shared the article in the, the uh, chat room. You guys can check that out. Um, TNA, I, I got to be honest, I've taken, I, I took TNA off the DVR. And um, the reason I did was primarily because my, my DVR needs space for other shows. And TNA just hasn't been good lately. And obviously their, their, their financial issues are part of it. Plus the departure of so many of their superstars is another factor but the but the wrestling has just not been good, which is crazy when you got guys like the Wolves in there and so many other great X Division competitors. I would have expected TNA to at least put on some semi decent wrestling matches, but they just it just doesn't keep my interest. I, on the contrary, Ring of Honor's one hour show, one hour, is better 
than two hours of impact. I'm serious. Ring of Honor's one hour is better most weeks than Impact, which is unfortunate. I'm hoping that the shows at the Hammerstein fare well because I think that TNA still has a lot of good talent there. They just they just need to find their way. It's like I believe Jay, and Jay mentioned it to me or we were discussing it, but TNA should just stay in New York and do their tapings at the Hammerstein. They get a good crowd. They get they, they have a great energy in there. And the New York fans appreciate it. TNA being in Florida is a fucking death sentence. It really is. They either should stay do stuff in the UK or come up here and, 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 and corner the New York market. Because I don't know, man. That Florida crowd, unless it's NXT, that TNA crowd is fucking shit. I think partially it's because of the comp tickets and they're at Universal, so people just go in there to watch it. I don't know, man, but there's just, you don't feel that energy when you're watching TNA. Like back in the old days, when you'd have an X Division match or, a, or a, you know, a Destination X event, you'd, you'd be glued to the edge of your seat with all the great wrestlers involved. And now it's like, ugh, this guy or ugh, this, this, this knockout. And it's unfortunate. I mean, like Val said, a lot of them went to Global Force Wrestling, you know, Jeff Jarrett's promotion. Some went to Ring of Honor. You already see James Storm on NXT. I wouldn't be shocked if in 2016 we see Bobby Roode in NXT. And I can almost say that 2016 will not end with us not seeing AJ Styles in NXT. I feel it happening, and I'm sure it'll be. It's just a matter of money and scheduling. But I would not be shocked if we see AJ Styles in NXT. I, I wouldn't even be shocked if WWE makes a play and starts grabbing some of the guys from the Bullet Club for NXT for Finn Balor. That's all I'm saying. Because he's essentially running with the Prince David gimmick now. But Val says, I don't see Bobby Roode or AJ because they're too established on the indies to start from the bottom again. Well, Bobby Roode is currently, there's rumors he's still with TNA, but a lot of people are saying he's with Global Force Wrestling. But I do feel that guys like Samoa Joe, James Storm, they're being treated well enough in NXT that they may get a main roster opportunity. And I think they realize that, you know, the money they'll get is pretty solid. I mean, AJ Styles has gone on record saying that he would do. Ugh. Hold on a minute, guys. The uh, I don't know if it was the internet. Hold on a minute. Looks like the uh, the internet feed took a dump. All right, we are back. Uh, for those of you that were cut off, uh, just uh, refresh your page. Got a new router today, and uh, we are we are back. At, we are back in business. Sorry about that. Uh, got a new router. We got a little uh, increased internet speed. Not sure why the connection dropped, but definitely something we are going to look into after the show. Anyway, as I was saying, um, you know, Bobby Roode and, um, you know, AJ Styles. The problem is you have James Storm. You have Samoa Joe. You got all these guys there. And they're doing well in NXT, and I think that definitely that's going to be a factor 
in them getting an opportunity, I wouldn't even be shocked if they make a play to get back, you know, to get Rude into NXT and pair him with James Storm. I think Beer Money in NXT or even in WWE for that matter would be a solid buy. I'd love to see Beer Money reunited in NXT. I think that the tag team division in NXT is solid and the addition of Beer Money would work. Um, Lucha Lias, do you think the WWE would bring Doc Luke Gallows back? I think, and and this is this is one of those things where WWE likes to take a, a, a sure thing, rebrand it, and use it as their own. Now, the Bullet Club is is probably one of the hottest things going. The Bullet Club is tremendous. Hell, I got their fucking shirt on, and um, you know, guys like guys like Doc Gallows, uh, guys like Machine Gun Carl Anderson. I think Tama Tonga. And, um, you know, Bad Luck Fale would definitely do well in WWE. I think especially Tama Tonga. Tama Tonga has a cool look with the face paint and shit. He, he would definitely work in an NXT WWE environment. Um, Val says, I think they would have to drop some serious bread for Bobby Roode. I definitely think Bobby Roode wouldn't come cheap. But I also think that Bobby Roode is such a good wrestler that he would realize that he would benefit from a larger outlet than what he currently has with TNA or GFW. That's that's where I stand with that. Guys like Bobby Roode, AJ Styles, they're household names. The minute that they come into TNA, I mean uh, TNA, the minute they come into NXT or WWE, the crowd already knows because we're, you know, the internet. YouTube, people are smart. Like James Storm. James Storm came out as James Storm. And it was fine because they knew that that guy had a fan base. People would cheer and people would be excited. And James Storm isn't a shitty wrestler. Am I a fan of his Tennessee Cowboy gimmick? No. But that's the that's the thing. Uh, Jay Santee says, Austin Aries. Dude, I would love to see A-double in WWE. I'd love to see it. I think A-double in NXT. If Finn Balor got the call up to the main roster and you needed a flag bearer for NXT, Austin Aries is that guy. The guy gets it, gets the job done in the ring, does it in the microphone, and like Lucha Lee just said, NXT is an indie crowd. And it's true. NXT's crowd is smarter more in tuned with the wrestlers. They know the wrestlers when they come out. They appreciate them. Not to say that the crowds for Raw and SmackDown do not, because they do, but I just feel that NXT's intimacy in the smaller arenas is good for them because you can hear the crowd. They connect with the crowd better, and it helps you It helps you fine-tune your craft. And that's one of the things that I said about TNA. When TNA was at the Hammerstein, when TNA's in the U.K., it's smaller, more intimate, but more knowledgeable. You know, it's a smaller, more intimate arena, but you're getting knowledgeable, passionate fans that are paying money to see your product versus Universal, where you could wander in there because you bought a ticket to the park. And because of that, yeah, you're going to you're going to go in there and watch it, but it's not necessarily you're not getting that 100 percent hardcore crowd. Look back at all the episodes of TNA and the Hammerstein. Or, and you'll see 
that they that they had just a different crowd. Jay can tell you, Jay, when you've gone to House of Glory, right, the, the smaller venue makes it feel like a bigger show because the crowd just has a bigger impact. Confirm that if I, or, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, or, you know, obviously confirm if I'm right. But when I've gone to see House of Glory and that crowd is, and it's a packed house, you feel like, like you're, like, you know, you're in the Hammerstein or, or Nassau Coliseum or the garden, depending on who's wrestling, because it's just that atmosphere, that vibe, that energy. Hell, Slick went with us to a House of Glory show. Slick can tell you the crowd was fucking into it. There was there was an energy in there that was that it was contagious. You felt like you were a part of something because of that intimacy. The same thing, like I said, with NXT and guys like Bobby Roode, Austin Aries, AJ Styles, Tama Tonga, you know, the, the list goes on. Those guys can thrive in those environments. And if they do get the call up to the main roster, they're going to have a connection that they can get with the crowd like this. Something that so many others don't have. And again, it's one of those things. It, it bothers me because NXT's crowd should be the crowd that is in every venue. It shouldn't just be the New York crowd, the Brooklyn crowd, the Chicago crowd. It should be the same way across the country because you're paying your hard-earned money to enjoy a product. But how many times do we watch Raw and SmackDown that they go to some of these states and it's fucking crickets? It is completely fucking crickets in those arenas. It's crazy. It really is insane. But like I said, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing if, if guys like AJ or Bobby Roode get the call up. We'll see what happens. I will, of course, keep you guys posted with regards to that. We got a Randy Orton injury update for this week. Turns out that um, Randy Orton suffered a dislocated shoulder, and he's been dealing with a ton of chronic problems. Um, According to um, WWE, he um, he has a lesion on his shoulder. He has some stretched ligaments and a partially torn rotator cuff. Um, according to WWE's physician, it's only a matter of time before he dislocates his soldier again, uh, his shoulder again, and because of that, he will require surgery with an expected recovery time of four to six months. Uh, Lucha Lee asks, any update on Seth Rollins? Did you hear that he may have injured himself at the Dublin House show? Yes, yes, I did. I did read that he injured himself, and people were putting up updates from that event. Uh, don't have any specifics yet with regards to the extent of the injury, but I'm curious to see uh, where it goes from here because if Seth Rollins did injure himself um, and it's something serious, then Survivor Series is in serious jeopardy. But we're going to see what happens. I believe they're still going to be touring throughout the rest of the week, but if I do get any updates, of course, I will share it with you guys on social media or... um, you know, more than likely you'll you'll see it on the fan page or in our Facebook group. As always, if you don't see it from me, one of our staffers will definitely share it. Uh, Lucha Lee says, I saw the video. He did a sunset flip powerbomb from the top rope on Kane, slipped and landed and may have messed up his knee or ankle. Oh, scary stuff, man. I definitely got to look for that after I wrap up the show just to see. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where with a guy like Rollins, Again, you know, the high-risk style 
Sometimes it bites you in the ass. Hopefully it's nothing too serious and um, we can still get our match at Survivor Series. I'll check out the video after I wrap up tonight's show. Uh, thanks for the update, uh, Lucha Lee. I appreciate it. Ah, man. I'm actually shocked that this took a long time, that this, ha that this hadn't already happened. But um, Tatanka posted on Twitter that he signed a WWE Legends contract, which WWE did confirm as well. Um, I was shocked that Tatanka didn't already have a Legends contract. I, you know, I grew up watching Tatanka wrestle throughout most of the 90s and early 2000s. And I always felt that Tatanka was a very underrated wrestler, did not get um, as much attention as you would have thought. He had a really good look. He wrestled pretty, you know, he had solid wrestling and um, he knew how to connect with the fans. I just never understood why he never, he was never as successful as you would have thought. I think Tatanka is one of those guys that he was, he was a consummate professional, a guy that would always go out there and, and, you know, work, work the crowd, put over who needed to be put over and was never, he was never shitty in the ring. I mean, watching him wrestle when I grew up, you know, he, he had his usual, you know, five moves of doom, but he was not a, um, he was, he wasn't a bad wrestler by a long shot. On the contrary, I felt that Tatanka, like I said, was very underrated and did not get as many opportunities as you would have thought because he wasn't a small guy. He wasn't, like I said, he wasn't a guy that was sloppy in the ring. Um, he was, you know, a, a, a solid hand, like Val just said, a middle of the road wrestler. And I would have thought that he would have been in there under a Legends contract already, but I guess that is not the case. In any case, uh, he's he has his Legends contract. I read earlier today that superstar Billy Graham got a brand new Legends contract, so definitely good to hear that. I, I believe that those guys, you know, the Legends contracts, it allows them to get a little extra income. Obviously, you know, they get to do signings, fan fests, etc. Plus, obviously, being used in the game is a factor as well. So who knows? Maybe WWE 2K17 will see Tatanka and superstar Billy Graham in there as wrestlers that you can select. Uh, for those of you that have asked about my WWE 2K16 review, I'm hoping to have that completed this week. I've been playing the, uh, the Stone Cold Steve Austin career mode and kind of messing around with the creator wrestler. Uh, preliminary opinions are as follows. Uh, a lot of improvements from last year. A lot of good graphic, you know, a lot of good superstar improvements in terms of look and design. But they also dropped the ball on a lot of superstars as well. Uh, Paige has a terrible design. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, his design is just, ugh. I don't know. I don't know who they think that is, but it definitely doesn't look like Macho Man. And, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, Macho Man is deceased. Okay, but if you pick Bam Bam Bigelow or Ravishing Rick Rude, those guys look pretty much like they're like you're watching an episode of Raw versus Randy Savage. Now, of course, it's easy to joke around that it was Vince's fault. Um, the submission system, I am not a fan of, much like Val said. Val says the submission system sucks donkey balls. Uh, I think the submission system, you know what it is? I, I don't like it. But it's a similar submission system that we've seen in the UFC games from EA. If you guys have played those, the uh, the submission system in the UFC game is very similar in terms of lining up the two reticles together 
to secure a submission. Uh, the the kicking out also has that as well. Uh, you know, kicking out has to be something where you got to time it. And a couple of matches did end prematurely just because of the kickout system. Uh, definitely not a fan of that. Is um, I just feel that the kicking out is like you gotta you gotta practice. Uh, you gotta definitely practice with the kicking out more so with the submission system. Uh, preliminary findings, like I said, are it's a it's a solid improvement. It definitely has its fair share of issues. I'm not gonna give you guys a score for it yet, but I'm hoping to have that review live this week. I may actually try and put out, put out the review both on on the site written but also do a video review. I just got to learn a couple of programs to make the review look pretty decent, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, out of curiosity, and you guys in the chat can can share your input if you choose, uh, video reviews. If you watch a video review, what do you guys look for? Uh, what do you like? Do you want to see primarily gameplay with the reviewer talking over it, or do you want to see the reviewer and the gameplay via split screen? Uh, do you want to see the score on screen, pros and cons, etc.? I'm curious to know what you guys have to say about that, just because I want to try and maybe do some more uh, video reviews. Not because I don't mind writing the reviews, but I just feel that I can turn them around faster. Just just curious to see what you guys got to say. Uh, feel free to share your thoughts in the chat. I think I will also post it in our Facebook fan page and in our RageWorks group as well, just to get some input. Uh, with regards to the Raw rating, as I said earlier, uh, the rating for Raw dropped to an all-time ratings and viewership low. Uh, Monday night's episode drew 3.2 million viewers to a 1.1 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. Uh, those numbers are down between 3 and 5% from last week. And um, the previous low was 3.2 on October 12th and a 1.2 demo rating on October 19th. So uh, definitely something that you should be keeping an eye on. We'll see if that changes any of the wrestling or any of the angles going forward, but definitely a ratings, uh, definite record lows for Raw this past Monday. For people that don't wonder, that for people that speak negatively of the WWE and their financial impact, I was shocked with some of the numbers that were put out recently about the amount of money that WWE brought into Santa Clara and San Jose with WrestleMania 31. Couple of things. Um, sports entertainment, MMA, sports in general are incredible revenue generators for many cities. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I speak so highly of MMA being sanctioned here in New York because it's going to create revenue and opportunity. But I want to share some numbers with you with regards to WrestleMania, because these numbers are insane. First of all, uh, the Santa Clara mayor, Jamie Matthews, and the Sam Jose mayor, uh, Sam Licardo, announced via press release that WrestleMania generated $139 million in economic impact for both Santa Clara and the San Jose region this past March. Uh, based on that, they generated more, you know, WrestleMania generates more than $100 million in economic impact for its host region. With regards to the numbers, 76,976 fans from all 50 states 
and 53 countries attended WrestleMania, making it the highest grossing event in WWE history. Couple of other numbers. Out of that $139 million that were brought in, the money was both direct, indirect, and induced based on the visitor spending in the Santa Clara San Jose region. 78% of the fans that attended WrestleMania were from outside Santa Clara and San Jose and stayed an average of 3.3 nights. In addition to that, $22 million was spent on hotels and accommodations within the Santa Clara, San Jose region. In addition to that, WrestleMania week created 1,218 full-time jobs for the area, which is something that definitely needs to be considered. In addition to that, $6.2 million was spent by visitors in the Santa Clara, San Jose region at area restaurants. Again, WrestleMania is a huge revenue generator. The Dallas area, when they get WrestleMania at Cowboy Stadium, is probably going to break the records that WWE established in the Santa Clara, San Jose area. Again, there is a lot of money in sports entertainment, and WWE is the leader. Because of this, sometimes they can get away with a lot of lackluster and sketchy shit. But until somebody steps up and brings it on, on, a, on a scale close to what WWE does, they're in a league of their own. Ring of Honor is a great promotion. Definitely not number two. TNA is definitely not number two. Neither are any of the others. It's WWE and everyone else. That's not me knocking the other promotions, but when you're generating that type of revenue and creating that type of impact for a region, you're in a league all your own. Simple as that. Last two things I want to talk about first up is a SmackDown update. As many of you know, SmackDown will be moving to the USA Network. And when I mentioned the announcement to you guys, I said that as soon as I get a date, I would be reporting back as soon as possible. Well, SmackDown will be debuting on the USA Network January 7th with SmackDown staying on Thursday nights. Originally, there were rumors that SmackDown was going to be moving to Tuesdays, possibly going live. But as of right now, SmackDown will remain a Thursday show on the USA Network from 8 to 10 p.m. As of right now, USA is going to be utilizing SmackDown as the lead-in for their show Colony, which is going to be debuting January 14th. Again, keep an eye out. Set your DVRs accordingly. SmackDown heads to the USA Network January 7th, 2016. All right. The last bit of wrestling news, and I wanted to save this for last because I know a lot of you guys are going to be annoyed. I was when I read it. Uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated announced their top 50 women's list. I'm going to share the full list on the RageWorks fan page and also on the group. But I want to read you guys the top five because a lot of you guys are going to be very annoyed with who took the number one slot. But let's start with number five. Number five in PWI's top 50 women's wrestler list was Gail Kim. Number four was Santana Garrett. Number three was Sasha Banks. Number two was Paige. 
With that said, who do you guys think was number one? If you guys are thinking Charlotte, it's not Charlotte. Definitely not. If you guys are thinking it was AJ Lee, definitely not. She's been gone long enough that it wouldn't even matter. Um, No, it's not ODB, Val. <laughs> even though that would be utterly hilarious. You know what's funny? She actually sells her own barbecue sauce. Yes, Jay Santee. Nikki Bella is the number one women's wrestler according to the PWI Top 50. She was very vocal on Twitter about that. And um, I I definitely don't think she should have got the number one slot, maybe top 10, but not number one. Of course, there are a lot of factors. Uh, the one-year title reign was one. The, uh, the somewhat improvement in her wrestling ability was two. And the mainstream exposure, three. Jay Santi says, I hate that fucking list. Jay, I'm going to share it on the on the fan page and in the uh, group. So definitely look forward to your input. Uh, Val says, not surprised. Didn't PWI, didn't PWI say John Cena was number one last year? I believe so. I don't remember offhand. I want to say so, but here's the thing. John Cena being number one is a little different only because John Cena busted his ass in 2015. I can't even hate on the dude. I, I, I can't. I can't even hate on the dude because he busted his ass. But to say that Nikki Bella was better than 50 other women, well, let me rephrase that, better than the top 10 is crazy. You mean to tell me that Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Gail Kim were not better than Nikki Bella. You're crazy. You're fucking insane. Like, if you would have said number one was Sasha Banks, number two was Nikki Bella, number three was Bailey, I could accept that. But Nikki Bella had, you know, the one year title reign, creative. All creative. You know? But but it just it just it frustrates me to no end. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Nikki Bella. She's shown some improvement, some. But to rank her number one over Bailey, or or even or even Sasha Banks, you know you know what the thing was. I didn't put I didn't say Bailey first, only because Bailey has been a great wrestler. But Sasha Banks has been involved in almost every memorable match. Of 2015. Pretty much. Her matches with Charlotte. Her matches with Becky Lynch. Her matches with Bailey. Her matches with anybody on that roster. Were tremendous. Tremendous. And the fact that she was number five. Number. Uh, excuse me. Number three. Is crazy. Sasha Banks has been. A bigger. A bigger part of of the of the revolution in the divas division than anybody her bailey charlotte becky lynch way ahead of the curve way ahead those four women can carry a division with their eyes closed i'm sorry but it's true it's crazy 
Craziness. I understand, you know, the one-year title reign, total divas, being with John Cena, all, all the all the shit that you would expect. But top five, maybe. Number one, to quote Jay Santee, get the fuck out of here. Definitely not. Totally disagree. And again, I want I'm gonna try and get the the, the complete list, share it on the fan page, uh, share it in the group. Would love to hear what you guys got to say about that. Anyway, with that, that is going to wrap up the wrestling edition of MTR. A couple of things before we head out of here. First and foremost, uh, make sure to check out the official Rageworks t-shirt store. They got lots of cool merch there. Lots of funny t-shirts. Oh, the fucking feed again dropping out. Hold on a second, guys, for the 85th time. Actually, you know what? I don't know. Maybe Blog Talk Radio's feed does not want to work. Fuck it. The hell with it. We're going to wrap up anyway, so I'll see what the deal is with Skype afterwards. Anyway, as I was saying, check out the official MTR t-shirt store. Lots of good stuff there. Like I said, see, we got a Four Horsewoman t-shirt. We got F Society, a couple Deadpool shirts. We do have some MTR shirts, and we are going to get some regular season sportscast T-shirts as well. Uh, Really looking forward to that. Um, Hopefully, and I'm seeing that uh, the internet connection once again. Hold on a second, guys. There we go. I think it's... I do not understand what the deal is with this router. Definitely don't. Anyway. As I was saying, let's wrap this up before we get any more uh, technical issues. We got all the great t-shirts there. Make sure to go to rageworks.net forward slash shop to check that out. As always, um, you can go to Rageworks and get all our content, including the shows from this week. Uh, MTR will be up in 24 to 48 hours. And uh, the regular season sports cast is up now. And Black is the New Black should be up later today. In any case, before we get any more tech issues, let's just wrap it up. I've given you my take on MMA and wrestling this week. As always, I would love to hear yours. Hit us up on social media at my take radio at rage underscore works. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash official rage works. Find us on Pinterest. Follow me on Instagram, rageworks underscore rich. You can also look for us on Google Plus. And last but not least, You can get audio archives of the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And video archives will be available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rage Works. Look for those as well. And if you want access to any of the MTR programming before the general public, pick up the official My Take Radio app. It is $1.99, available for Android, iOS, and Windows Mobile. For Android, you can get it in the Amazon Android Marketplace. For iOS, of course, you're heading to iTunes. And last but not least, for Windows devices, you can find it on both the Windows Store and the Windows Mobile Store as well. In any in any case, join us later today for the gaming and entertainment edition of MTR, episode 325. Just a reminder, these are the last two shows for the month of November. Uh, We'll probably be be back. We'll probably be back the first week of December. 
Until then, make sure to check out all our other shows. And if you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. All right, guys. Thank you guys for your continued support. 325 episodes in the books as of tomorrow. And um, if you guys are only tuning in for the MMA and wrestling edition, then this is the last episode of that till December. On behalf of myself, Slick, Jay, and the rest of the MTR Rageworks family, thank you guys again for your continued support. I'll see you guys in December. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. That's all, folks.